All Things in the Name of Love, a spiritual podcast with your host, Dr. Erica Reesberg. Music theme by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Episode 37, Digging Deep into Your Inner Calling with Sharon Prentice, Ph.D. Soon after completing her graduate studies in psychology, Dr. Sharon Prentice found the world of secular psychology lacking. Her patients needed something more. So she set out to investigate and explore alternative methods in the field of mental health that would incorporate that something special she believed existed in each and every individual soul. Her journey would take her through the great religions of the world, as well as to a discovery of ancient, time-proven alternatives to modern therapeutic models of counseling. She is the author of the best-selling book, Becoming Starlight, a sheer death journey from darkness to light, which attempts to answer the question, is this all there is? Dr. Prentice can be found in her off time with family, which includes an assortment of furred, feathered, scaled, and finned sentient beings, or sitting on the beach with ocean sounds and sights for company. Her new book is Becoming Starlight, Surviving Grief and Mending the Wounds of Loss. Sharon, it is such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I am so honored I have the opportunity to talk to you today because you and I have some commonalities, even though this is the first time we've been talking together, about going on that academic quest to find that deeper meaning. And I know my listeners have heard some of my journey, but I want to hear about yours. Well, you know, the, the, what you call the academic quest, I think so many of us do that. Um, you know, we just kind of take our emotions and shove them aside for a little bit because we're like, okay, that's just how we feel. And we all so negate those feelings because in all seriousness, from the time we're really little, we are told, no, you can't do this, and no, you can't do that, and this is the way to go, and point yourself in this direction, and you got to, you know, read this and read that and, and, and search within what is commonly perceived to be the right way, you know, the right path, and we mm-hmm. get that. We get that from when we're real little, and we're told color in between the lines, you know, don't go outside of the lines. So searching for a really deeper meaning just to life in general can't really be found in academics. I tried it, and I know you did, and it doesn't do anything except lead you into more and more and more and more questions until you finally say, whoa, wait, stop, I'm going to start coloring outside the lines. So I'm, not, I'm right there with you. I totally understand where you're coming from. So did you practice psychology before, before you made this deeper realization? No, I didn't. That all basically came at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we go back into the things that happened, in my life, uh, my whole family, the academic life of my entire family. My dad was a PhD. My mom had her master's. I mean, my sisters are all, you know, school was, was very, very important to us. And it was what was very expected of us. So I always knew uh, that college was going to be 
you know, in my future. But uh, for me, unlike my sisters, when I first started college, I flunked out. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, it was F, F, F just everywhere. I spent more time at the, uh, it's a little place called the King's Head Inn across from the college than I ever did in class because my dad chose all my, you know, classes for me. Oh, and, wow. and, and, and I just didn't, I just didn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, getting married and, and all the things that went along with what happened to me in, in the following years, a lot of death, a lot of grief and you mm-hmm. know, all of that. And that was when, when my husband died. First, it was my daughter that died. And then it was my oh, husband. Wow. And I realized that academia was not where I needed to be. I was in college at the time, but I never really thought, I never really thought of why I was doing this. I wanted to be a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. which meant medical school. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I really wanted to go into psychiatry was because one of my professors was about the coolest guy that ever walked the planet. I thought he was great. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But I never really thought about why I wanted to follow that route until my husband died. And all of a sudden I'm realizing, whoa. You know, there's more to this than just what's in the books and what you learn in the labs and all of that. That there's this this emotional, personal, soulful, spiritual side to people that has nothing to do with academia at all. And that is when I finally, you know, it finally like yeah, I had that major aha moment where whoa, you know, I I need to go from strict academia and add some spiritual component to what I was doing. Mm. Make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah, and that's where I found what I needed, not just for me personally, but for the people that I was dealing with at the time, and then all my future patients, they know what they're going to get when they walk into (laughs) my office. They know because my reputation precedes me. interesting thing to be in Washington DC because I grew up in Connecticut and the Puritan you know Puritanism is alive and well yes absolutely and it's that way here too you know when you're on the east coast which is where I am the really cool stuff you know from out west does not make its way to us very very quickly Right. And most of the uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors that, that I know of around here are strictly secular. And of mm-hmm. course, the government and, and the states say you can do this and you can do that, but you cannot say this or say that or do this or do that. And most of what you cannot do um, is in the spiritual vein. Um, but I do it anyway, um, <laughs> you know, because you. It, does, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't right. work without that. that that part. So you're absolutely right. When people, when I say people know what to expect when they, when they come here, I work by referral only. Okay. And, the, and the reason I do that is because it's, it is rather shocking uh, to a lot of people when they come to see me, because they, if they've been to other counselors, whether it's a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever, these people are going to call themselves, it, it, they stay in the secular vein. Mm-hmm. But I do not believe I absolutely do not believe that you cannot be emotionally, psychologically, physically healthy unless your spiritual life 
is healthy because if the spiritual goes down, everything goes down. Mm-hmm. And that is what I address first and, and foremost. I ask people when they come to see me, one of my first questions is, what brings you to me? And I ask that question for a very specific reason, because 99% of the time, people have no earthly idea mm. why they're here. So they say, I'm depressed, you know, or I'm whatever. And I'll say, no, you're not. And they'll look at me and they'll say, no, I really, I, I'm depressed. So-and-so told me I was depressed. And I'm like, well, so-and-so is wrong. You're not depressed. Right. Um, and they call, my, they call my, my practice crazy hot mess therapy. I did not. I know. Isn't that crazy? I did not give myself that name. It came about very organically because the things that we go into, people would say to me, you are going to make me a crazy hot mess. And then after a while, I got tired of hearing that. And I added, yeah, but you're a beautiful soul. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I leave nothing untouched. I'm a hard taskmaster and I zero right in on the spiritual part. Because if I can help you get that part of your life in balance and everything else is fine. And that's why I say that the pure academia does not address that. You, you have got to go deeper than that. What led you, uh, is, it in, is it an intuitive process that you draw upon when you bring in, in the spirituality? Oh yeah, I was not a spiritual person for most of my life. I was like everybody else walking around. Mm -hmm. I'd been raised in the church Mm -hmm. and told all the things that we are told. This is what you must believe. And God was this man. And I've said before, he looks a lot like Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. (laughs) You know that guy? Yep. And he lived way out there someplace above the clouds in this place called heaven and he was just kind of sitting up there watching you. And if you turn left instead of turning right or a word came out of your mouth that you shouldn't have said, it's going to throw lightning bolts at you. And, you know, you were going to go to this place called hell and, and burn for all eternity. And that, that seriously, that is, that is what I believe. So I tried to do everything, you know, on the straight and narrow and be this good little girl. And if you are a good little girl or a good little boy, then everything in your life is going to be perfect and you're not going to have any problems. Well, that works. Sounds good, doesn't it, right? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I mean, it sounds just so wonderful. Yeah. But all of that fell apart when I was holding my newborn daughter in my arms and she died in my arms. During those two hours that she was alive, I begged I pleaded, I bargained, I, you name the word, I did it with this Charlton Heston character, okay? Mm. And she died anyway. Mm. And when she did, everything I have ever, ever believed or thought to be possibly true, none of it made any sense anymore. It just, there was absolutely nothing. And if there was something then it had to be the most evil force that ever existed since mm. the universe. Yeah. And that just, you know, I, I walked around for years and years feeling totally abandoned by everything that I had been taught in my entire life. And at the mm. same time, at the same time, Erica, my husband was getting very, very, very ill and he was diagnosed with a terminal cancer. 
And once again, you know, I didn't, I did not plead and bargain and, and, you know, and beg during this time because Mm -hmm. I was angry. Okay. The only, if you want to call it spiritual thing about me was that I would be shaking my fist at the heavens. And, you know, if there was a God, believe me, he would have to put, you know, earphones or whatever on to not hear the words that I was, was spouting out. Yeah. All of that changed at the moment of my husband's death because I had an experience called a shared death experience, which is basically the same as a near death experience, except the person going on that journey is simply invited along to witness what I call the aftermath of physical death. Wow. And that is where I learned, I'm going to say my truth. Okay, because everyone has mm-hmm. their own version. I know I certainly did. Mm-hmm. But that, that experience right there is what turned me from this god-awful, horrible, bitter person into this person that had this spiritual outlook on absolutely everything, mm-hmm. everything that, that comes my way now. I, I tell people that I see the darkness now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I look for because I can see it. A lot of people will say they see the light and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But in order for that light to shine from anyone, you have to get rid of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I see my job as finding the darkness, which I can see in someone, wow. and, and zeroing in on that darkness to get rid of it so that their light can shine out in this world and they can be who they want to be, who they were born to be in this world. So it's been a long process for me. Yeah. You know, the first 30 some years of my life were spent that way. And then this one experience just absolutely changed everything for me. And that was when I realized that, and I have said this before, that's when I realized that God was not this outside separate, you know, phenomenon out there that we we are how do i say this we are only here because god thought of us we are his very thought he breathed breath into that thought and here you are here you are erica here you are sharon here you are everybody else out there the only reason you're here is because he breathed his very breath into the thought of you So that's how I operate. <laughs> that is so powerful and beautiful. Thank you. It and, works. Um, it works. This, this is, you know, I'm not your regular psychologist. When people go through someone else, you know, another psychiatrist, or whatever, and I'm not criticizing anyone else. Just processes are very different. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can find yourself with a counselor for years and years and years. For me, it's a six-month deal. <laughs> you come in, and I am going to hound you. And we are going to find this. And, and seriously, once you find what it is that is keeping that darkness inside of you and you name it, when that's gone, your entire, your entire life changes. That is so beautiful. Well, it took me a long time to get there. Right, so. right, right, right. No, I, I understand that because our, 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 our innate spiritual gifts show up when we're ready for them. Yeah, and I wasn't ready for them before that moment in time. And, you know, people have asked me, why was I given this particular experience? You know, why not somebody else who was very devoted to God and, and very religious, very spiritual, very everything? You know, why, why did not, why don't those people have these experiences? Why was it somebody like me 
that, oh, I was so angry and so bitter. And like I said, I cussed God with every four-letter word you can think of. So <laughs> why was such an amazing spiritual gift given to me? I'm absolutely no different than anybody else walking the planet. Okay, There's nothing special about me. Mm-hmm. So why was that given to me? And I tell people three things. I actually think that my husband's love for me was so great that when he stood in front of God or was in the presence of um, his creator, (laughs) he said, you know what, let's throw her a bone or she's not going to survive this. Mm. Okay, she's got to see what's going on because having lost my daughter and then my husband, there was not much left of me. Right. And I think those two things combined with the fact that when he died, the other people in the room have told me that this noise came out of me that they'd never heard before. And I couldn't tell you to this day, you know, what it sounded like. But I thought about that. And, you know, I, I thought at first maybe it was primal scream, you know, that scream that only God can hear. Mm-hmm. Then I started learning about centering prayer and sacred word. And, mm-hmm. and I've kind of glommed on to the sacred word, because there's a form of meditation where you find, you know, sacred word is, is this form of meditation where you are actually brought into the very presence of the divine, which is not somewhere out there. Okay. It's in your heart of hearts. It, it's deep down inside of you. And I think that word brought me to that place into the very presence of God. And that, mm-hmm. that just changed everything about me and about my entire family and about the people in that room uh, changed everything. I haven't had a profound spiritual awakening. I've had a gradual one. Uh And one of the data points for my awareness of my spiritual growth is um, when my father died, I felt his spirit. I looked at his body and I didn't see him. Right. And then I felt... Yep. Him scattering across the universe. Right, right, right. And I you know, knew that he yeah. was okay. Yep, you knew he was okay. You know, I tell people all the time that I really don't know anyone who has not had some type of spiritual experience. It's just a matter of degree. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole thing, whether it is the entire near-death experience itself, whether it's the shared death experience or whether it is like what you had, which is extremely powerful because the feeling that you had was one that touched that part of you that the mystics call the heart of hearts, okay? Mm -hmm. Touched that part of you where you knew that your dad was just fine. Yeah. And there's no denying that. There's absolutely no denying that, that feeling. People say, you know, how do you know it's real? And, you know, my answer to them is you just know. Right. You just know. It's such a deep feeling. Yes. That it's, it's inexplicable. Mm-hmm. It is. Absolutely. And it's, it and is. it's not quantifiable. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's just true. Yep. It's a... Uh, Sometimes people are afraid to tell you about their experiences because, you know, others will look at them like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, you either, you want it so badly because you've just gone through some trauma, some tragedy, or 
you know, there, there's some reasoning for it, mm-hmm. but they don't understand what, like what you just said, it is such a powerful thing. There is no quantifying it and there's actually no explaining it because it is such mm-hmm. a spiritual thing that takes place within your very being, you know, that thought of God that we talked about a little bit earlier. I said, you are that thought of God. Every single person you come into contact with is that thought of God. And we are all connected, all one, because we are all his breath. And so when you have these experiences, the explanation for that is within that breath that is in that thought that is all of us. It's very real. It's very, very real. I know it is. I know it is. I have this um, recent experience where my heart chakra has expanded about a foot and a half outside of me. Right. And while I recognize it's me, it's more than me. Yes, absolutely. And it's such an amazing feeling to know that this is some non-physical part that is with me, that is caring for me, that is loving me, that is allowing me to be a fuller expression of myself. Right. And if I had said this to myself five years ago, I'd be like, what are you talking about, woman? But I've had so many experiences where it's things that my, my head can't explain. Right. That it's just become a practice to just accept it. Absolutely. You can't. We all question these things that are spiritual in nature. Let me take that. Let me, let me go back on that. Mm-hmm. We all question these things that are not physical and mm-hmm. that we can touch and, and see and, you know, anything that is not that mm-hmm. cannot be because we forget, as my bud Wayne Dyer used to say, we are spiritual beings on a physical journey. And yet from the time we're very, very small, if we can see it and touch it and, you know, reach out and, and, you know, grab it, then it's real. If it's anything beyond that, you know, we can't, we, we have to justify it somehow, somehow. So we make excuses, you know, for what it could possibly be. And those excuses always have to be scientifically or medically or whatever, you know, sound. And if they're not, then, people will discount it. We do that to children all the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. children are closer to God than anyone I know because they're little yet, you know, and life, right. hasn't, life hasn't got at them too much yet. Mm-hmm. So I pay attention to babies. I, I, I pay attention to kids. You know, in my practice, some of the most profound lessons I have ever learned, ever experienced were at the bedsides of children um, mm. or and or things that they were saying, and because, like I said, they're they're they listen. They haven't, you know, been dumbed down uh, by what we do to ourselves as adults. Yeah. How do you help your patients unwind from the programming? They're ready. They're okay. ready. When when they come to me, something has just eaten them alive. Now, most of my patients are terminally ill or the families of those who have died, okay? Okay. And they are ready because the biggest fear that I have found uh, among people who are dying, um, not not the regrets, there's, you know, the regrets are pretty similar too, but one of the biggest fears, even for hardcore atheists and agnostics, the biggest fear is, am I really just gonna, not 
be here? Am I just going to dissolve into nothingness? Okay, so that mm. that is one way that you know dealing with the the actual patient themselves um, that they're ready. And mm -hmm. then after someone has left this world, their families need to know where are they. Mm -hmm. You know, we're having been with someone from the day you were born or married to someone and they're there every single day, okay, and having conversations every single day, just seeing them sitting across the room, whether you're talking or not, you know, all of those things. And then all of a sudden, they're just gone. Mm -hmm. And the question that people ask themselves, where are they? Where, where are they? Because, you know, love is such a powerful thing. And it's another one of those spiritual things that you can't, you know, you can't, say here that this is what it is you can say what love looks like and how it feels and all of that but it goes much deeper than that and when you lose someone that question is how can this person just be gone mm -hmm. and so when they come to me they are ready for something besides just the usual let's talk about your grief and find closure which by the way, closure is the biggest myth um, that, you know, has ever been yeah. born. It does not exist. And when people are told to look for closure, in my view, my opinion, all that does is keep you grounded in the very thing that you're trying to get rid of. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're pretty ready. And, and okay. I can see it. And, you know, coming back from the experiences that I had, I came back with something I never, ever, ever had before. People call me a mind reader. I know that sounds funny, but People can't lie to me, and that drives them nuts. That's why they say <laughs> crazy hot mess, because I know when somebody's lying. My family is like, all right, all right, all right, we're not going to lie anymore. We're not even going to try and tell you a tale, because I can, I can see it. I have this, this really increased intuitive, empathic, I don't know what you want to call it. I know it sounds very, very weird. No, not on my show. After, yeah. <laughs> a, a, oh, there we go. Okay. So after these experiences... Um, there's some type of holdover, you know what I mean, that, mm -hmm. that you bring, bring back with you. Because uh, I, I never had any of this before the experiences that I had. Never. Oh, so fascinating. Well, I would not wish this on anyone. I work a lot with people who have lost children. And there, is, there is just, there's no... There aren't even any words for someone. This has to be a totally spiritual, soulful thing yeah. with people who have lost children. And a lot mm -hmm. of times people will say, you know, other counselors will say, well, we're going to find closure or they would want you to go on or these types of things. But, you know, losing a child is one of those things that you never really get over. When you lose a husband, you're a widow you lose a wife you're a widower you lose your parents you're an orphan what are you when you lose a child yeah we don't have the word for it there's no label that has ever been invented in any language anywhere in the universe to you know label someone who has lost a child because it is unimaginably painful yeah and so getting to those people to see what's out there Mm -hmm. that does help. It helps it help me and, and just about everybody that I, has, I have worked with who have lost a child. 
they are looking for the answer, not just to the why does this happen, which of course no one has an answer for, mm-hmm. but knowing that their child has not just disappeared mm-hmm. and that it gives them permission. And that's a good word right there. It gives yeah. people permission to realize that their child is alive and well and is still with them, maybe not in this physical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote something for this group called Compassionate Friends. They wanted me to write on some aspect of child loss. And I, I actually wrote a poem. Mm. And it's titled In My Dreams. Because it, it, all, it, it starts out, we meet in my dreams, she and I, and I never want to wake. That's how you know it starts. Because people will say, are my dreams real? And I'm like, of course they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're energy, we're spirit, and who's to say? how spirit and how energy wants to manifest itself in this world. We know so little about the brain and its functioning. So who's to say that the life you build with your child, the life that you have lost here on this plane, who's to say that life you're building in your dreams is not just as real as the one that you have with, with the, the family that still walks beside you in this physical world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the types of things that, we talk about a lot and it's all, it's all based in the spiritual nature of who we are because that's who we really are. Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, one of my, my not so secret quests is to bring uh, the conversation of spirituality into a normalized part of our society. Yeah. That's uh, it's funny because you can see, you know, when, when I do groups, you know, group therapy things, uh, there'll be some newbies coming in and, They'll sit there very quiet. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, you'll see them put their hand up to their face, or they'll sit forward in their chair and do a few other body, you know, body language things. And I'll go to them and I'll say, "What do you want to say?" Mm-hmm. Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I say, "Yeah, you do. I'm watching your body here. Okay, mm-hmm. you're you're safe here. Okay, yeah. this this is this is a safe place for you to talk about this. No one is going to judge you, and we really want to hear." all of these experiences because like I said everyone's had one it's just a matter of degree Mm -hmm. and sometimes you never know who you're going to affect by what you say you you could say something that you think is totally off the wall and yet the person sitting you know three or four chairs down from you will lean over and say oh my god that is exactly what happened to me and that that even makes their experience more real in Mm -hmm. the sense that they're validated. It's not that we really need that validation, but on this physical plane, yeah, we do. You yeah, know, we do. So, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, but you're right. Bringing that spiritual conversation in, I do it all the time, especially with you know some new friends and whatever, and they'll be like, mm-hmm, okay, but give them five, ten minutes, and then they start talking and say, you know what? I heard something from so and so, or from my grandmother, or my grandfather, or you know, and and it really starts to bring it in. We just have to stop being so afraid. Mm-hmm. to bring it up. That, that's the biggest problem. People have asked me, do you think that it is our lost loves that aren't with us anymore? And that's why they can't get through to us. I'm like, no, it's not them. It's us. Yeah, we it make is. it difficult for them to get to us mm-hmm. in this human condition that we have. We do. We do. I, I was in uh, Maine a couple months ago and I, I, I've been in the West on the West coast since 2007. So I'm, now, I still have a little New England in me, but I mostly, mostly adopted my, my freer thinking West Coast self. And I show up and 
I start talking spirit. Yep. And I get some funny looks. <laughs> and one of my friends who teaches science, she just came in. She was like, all right, tell me scientifically. I said, do you really want to go quantum physics with me? Yes, exactly. Yeah, she said, want, no, no, no. She don't want to go there with somebody like you. And she said, you're bringing in quantum physics. I'm like, well, that's what it is. That's yeah. a scientific explanation of what I'm talking about. Do you really want to go there? I'll, I mean, I can't do the calculations, but I can explain how it works. That's She's right. Like, oh, I can't believe you're bringing in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, do you find, Erica, you're, you're out there on the, on the West Coast, and I'm still stuck here on the East Coast. I come out to you guys a lot, though. I go out to, to L.A. And, and San Diego a lot. But Nice. Do you find that more and more and more people are becoming, I'm going to use the word awakened as much as I hate that word, are becoming more open and more awakened to the fact that something is going on across the entire globe spiritually? Are you finding that a lot? Well, I live in a bit of a bubble. <laughs> okay. So, yes, I do. Um, I'm like, I, I know more people, even people that I don't think are particularly spiritual, they'll, they'll lean more into spirituality because they feel it. Right. And they know something. There's a shift. There's a massive shift going on right now where we see this. Yes. This, uh, I'll call it the dark side or the shadow side of our, of our collective consciousness coming yes. up. Yes. And I feel that it's because it's getting kicked out. Like it feels like it's been rooted and it's getting pulled out from the roots. Absolutely. And it's coming out. And so all the turmoil that, excuse me, that the news has been showing, I, I, I don't watch the news. Yeah, I don't either anymore. And I live right out, I, I'm, I'm right outside of D.C. So you can imagine. Mm what it's like around here oh yeah you don't even even if you're not watching the news you're surrounded by it well you know i can't go to a restaurant or we mm. like to go to the little side cafes in dc and you just you can not sit there because everybody's arguing everybody's mm. yelling at each other you know everybody's like debating all of these things and i want to stand up and just scream you know just just stop it because the what's going on uh it, it's just got to stop and i don't care whether you're liberal or conservative or what you are when you stop and you look at what you're doing not just to everybody else but what you're doing to yourself the negativity that you're bringing into your own life uh this is you know th th this this is just horrible and and i think you're right that all of this negativity what you call the dark side or, or all of this stuff is is it's a bubble that is about ready to burst because yeah. people have had enough of it. And when it bursts, then they're going to have to start looking at what's left. And then you got them spiritually because that's the only place that they can go. Yeah. And that's when the healing is going to take place because that's, you know, when you, when you stop paying attention to the, to the distractions yes. and the addictions, Yes. All you have is to go within. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really heart-wrenching when you see someone go within and they find nothing. Right. That's, that is the saddest thing in the world. And by nothing, I mean no answers to the questions 
that really have been there for their whole lives because mm -hmm. to get rid of the distractions, as, as you call them, good word, when all the distractions are gone, what's left, you know? And that's when people start the, whoa, wait, I got I to gotta do something. And that's when the spiritual nature of all life comes out and you can get in there and, and start answering, help them answer their own questions. You know, I have, I have people from all religions and no religion. And people say, well, how, how can you do that? Very easily, mm -hmm. very easily, because we are all that same breath of God. It just depends on, you know, where you were born and what your family tradition is as, as, to, as to what you believe. But once those beliefs start to, you know, hit the road, we're all exactly the same. Yeah, because all the beliefs are, are habits. Yeah, they are. They are. And there, there is so much in common. Uh, you know, after my husband died, I started searching everywhere, you know, far and wide, number one, to find out what in the world that was that happened to me. And that's when mm -hmm. I found uh, Dr. Moody. And then I went to, oh my gosh, I sat with monks and I sat with priests and I sat with evangelical preachers and I sat with scientists and, and medical personnel and, and you name it. Everybody trying to figure all of this out. I went through every religion you can think of and the similarities that I found among all of these are much greater than their differences. Mm -hmm. That's why it makes it easier for me because uh, I will have other, you know, I will have some pastoral counselors and spiritual counselors call me and say, hey, I've just got this agnostic that came in asking questions. Can we send them to you? Yeah. And I've got these Hindus or Muslims or evangelicals. Or can I send them to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I do groups with all of these people together and they get loud at oh, times. I bet. I bet. <laughs> but it always ends up with people's mouths just gaping saying, oh, that's in my Bible. Oh, that's in my Quran. Oh, that's in our, our ancient writings. Um, that, you know, it, it's, all, it's all there. Like I said, it's just a matter of degree for everything. I did a, a healing a few months ago. I, I run a community garden, and one of my friends does a body talk as a, as a modality. And one of my gardeners is a transgender Native American. Uh-huh. And... She came to the garden. She didn't know why. And I invited her to this, this blessing and the healing of the wounded masculine on the planet. And she was, she was swaying because she felt the energy so deeply. And we got done. And she said, why do we separate ourselves? I would have never been exposed to this if you hadn't invited me, Erica. And I know my Native American practices would contribute to this, too. We could just heal each other with everything we know. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Erica, what we don't know, we fear. Mm -hmm. What is alien to us, we fear, and we keep it at bay. I mean, we really do. And, you know, I'm asked a question all the time if, if, if you go biblically, okay? And I'm, I'm Christian. And if you go biblically, there is that, the one verse in there, and I'm not going to quote it exactly because I'm not, I couldn't quote scripture if my life depended on it. <laughs> But you know that one in there that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, mm -hmm. that one talking about Jesus. I had a conversation with Rabbi Rami, Spirituality and Health Magazine, and I love the man. He's one of the most brilliant spiritual teachers I've ever talked to. And he says, ah, oh, now wait a second. 
it's in the way you say that. Have you ever read the I Am Chronicles, Erica? Mm -hmm. Okay. There is that huge, you know, collective movement out there, the, the I Ams, which is what I was talking about earlier with I am, yeah. the, you know, I am the breath, I am everything. And if you read that scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life that Jesus said, if you read it just a little bit differently, I am the mm -hmm. way, the truth, and the life. The great I am. Mm -hmm. What's the great I am? It's God. It's mm -hmm. creation. Right? And whenever we say I am, that's an expression of the creator. Yes, it is. And ever since he told me that, I was like, whoa, why hadn't I heard that before? Yeah. I found that so profound. And one of my very good friends is a priest. And I called him immediately. He's an, <laughs> Augustin he's an Augustinian. And, you know, St. Augustine wrote about all of these types of near-death experiences. And, you know, you go to St. Teresa and all that. And I told him about it. And there was silence for a minute. And I, was, I didn't know whether to expect you know, debate or him telling me I was nuts or whatever. And he said, I thought you already knew that. <laughs> I know, really. I'm like, really? You know, it was so funny. It was, I just cracked up laughing and so did he. He's like, I thought you already knew that. I'm like, no, somebody should have told me that. Right. I should have figured that out for myself. But um, Well, you know, I think it's, it's just one of those things that everybody would assume that someone is taught because – yeah. But it's not like you read it in the Bible, and I grew up at a Christian church too. Yeah. I heard that. I was like, yeah. okay, so that's what he is. What what what's the thing about I am? I don't get it. Yeah, and you know, I would tell people when they asked me that question, I would say, I am not wise enough, nor am I going to give you an answer just to make it sound like I am wise enough. Because no matter what answer I gave you, it, it wouldn't work. And so I've always said things like, well, you know what? I'm sure God has a plan, okay? And I was not privy to his plan. He didn't feel the need to share with me <laughs> the way he has set up the entire universe. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I was just always confounded by that particular, that particular phrase. And, and I do believe that Jesus was the Christ. And, you know, I, I said it that way for a very specific reason. Jesus was the Christ. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really do believe that. And so when I, I started looking at that, that passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life coming out of Jesus's mouth, he was talking about God. Now, of course, we could get into the conversation about Jesus's divinity and man, you know, uh, physical manhood and, and, you know, whether Jesus was That's God. That's a whole man. other conversation. <laughs> yeah. So it, just taking it from, from Rabbi Rami's, you know, what he said, and then what my, my friend said, that has really, I, I've thought about that now continuously. And I've talked to so many people about it because that, that created an entire new perception for me of the way to look at certain things. And uh, I'm, a, I'm just a constant, constant learner, not to get, more initials behind my name but to get more understanding in my soul you know what i'm saying oh i know exactly what you mean yeah yeah, yeah i'm done with classes me too, me too. <laughs> every once in a while you know i still get all these things from universities oh come do this and do that i'm like oh that looks really cool yeah no 
the thought I can't, I can't even sign up for yoga. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, oh, that's so funny. I know. I've thought about adding Reiki, but then I thought, oh, Lord, the, the thought of going and having to learn mm-hmm. you know, some other skill. I'm like, no, 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 no. I just, I, I just don't have it in me. And, you know, I, I nah, I'm, I'm where I need to be. This, this is where I need to be. And this is what yeah. I think I was meant to do is to help uncover that darkness so that when I send people out my door, they are who they were supposed to be in this world. And that, that's, that's all I need. That's really beautiful. Well, I don't know if it's beautiful or not because I drive everybody nuts. But Well, you uh, drive them nuts because you're helping them face their truth. Yeah, and a lot of people don't want to do that because it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. I, I do tell the people who come to me that I'm going to make them work and this is the hardest, this is the most difficult work they will ever do in their lives to look inside and uncover what I call the underside of the soul because that's where this stuff lives. Mm-hmm. That'll keep you down in the muck, you know? So uncovering that and getting that out. And you know, the funny thing is a lot of times when people actually do that, they, they start laughing and they're like, you know, that wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, uncovering, you know, we have a habit of overthinking everything and we think that looking in there and digging this stuff out is just going to kill us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people think, why was I so afraid of that? I have a practice through my body talk mentor uh, called Inner Child to Wholeness. Ah. And I was born with a dislocated hip. And so I was in traction for the first six months of my life. And a lot of trauma has come from that. Yeah, I can imagine. And one of the things I came across very recently was disassociation. Ah, okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that it was so pervasive in my life because I've been working on my emotions and feeling my emotions. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling my emotions so much more, but I still have disassociation. So this weekend, I was like, okay, I have to sit with it right now because it's coming up and I know better than to avoid it because it's just going to get worse. Right. So I sit with myself and I actually feel myself turning into that infant self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fully allow myself to feel the trauma. Sure. That caused me to become disassociated. Yeah. And for two minutes, I was doubled over sobbing. Yes. Like, like I felt, I really felt that pain. Yeah. And then I was done. So you have to give yourself permission. That's the word. Mm-hmm. You have to give yourself permission to feel that and not tuck it away. Because as you know, if you don't deal with it, if you tuck it away, it's going to come out in much uglier ways later on. But a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, we're always taught from the time we're little. I mean, we really are. I, I, we do such a disservice to our, our kids. Yeah you got to be strong, you know, oh, you know, you can't cry, wipe those tears away. And you know, all that, that nonsense. It's really, it's really a bad thing to do to ourselves. You know, there's this one line in that movie, Hope Floats. Sandra Bullock says at the end of the movie, and I I just love that line. It says, childhood is that thing you spend the rest of your life trying to get over. Mm. And so when you were little, I'm not sure what you were told or whatever, but I'm, I'm sure your parents, wanted to make your life as easy on you as, as they could. So they gave you all other kinds of wonderful things to think about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's where people say, oh, you can't pity yourself and you can't feel bad for yourself. You got to move on. You got to do all these things. And we are not allowed to feel the very thing that we need to feel. Mm-hmm. So later on in life, when it comes back to bite us in the butt, getting back to that sometimes can be difficult. But mm-hmm. you did it because the sobbing and, and all of that allowed you to get in there. Mm-hmm. And you may not have been able to name all the emotions, but it came out exactly the way it was supposed to. Good for you. Right. Good for you. you. Yeah, I've, I've been doing that for about four years, and it, and it keeps getting deeper and deeper. Yeah. Because it's not a one and done thing. No, it's not. No. It would be lovely. Wouldn't it be great <laughs> if it was? Oh, it would be so good if it was. But and it's, it, so, it's so deep inside of us, and we have so much to undo. Right. That it, it, it gets really, really difficult sometimes. And I'm grateful that I get to. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are never given that opportunity. A lot of people have to always be on. You know, they have to be the strong one. They're, they're never allowed um, to just be with what they need to be with because they always have to be something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very, very difficult place to be. But unfortunately, every single one of us have been in that particular position. And I, I really believe that's why we have so much psychosomatic illness and, you know, so much uh, chronic illnesses in, in, in this world. I, I really believe that. I, I really believe that. I agree with you too, because I mean, if we were fully allowed to feel our feelings and get to the bottom of where our souls are at, yep, yep. we would be so much healthier than we are oh, now. Sure. You know, and we're taught we have to do it we can feel our feelings, but we must do it in a socially acceptable way. <sighs> yeah, I know. I, I, that's exactly right. That, oh, yeah. What's socially acceptable? Who made the rules? Right. You know? <laughs> right <it's laughs> Who like, made the rules? I want to see those rules. <laughs> yeah, me too. Let me, let me see them. And, you know, uh, I did a couple of things with uh, my little one, my son, and, and I would go to his kindergarten class and stuff like that. And his teacher, they would be you know, in an art class and whatever. She's sitting there telling everyone inside the lines, inside the lines. And I would tell mine, you draw whatever you want. Take the whole page. They, I wasn't invited back. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't invited back. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm like, step outside of it. Yeah. Step outside of it because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Tell I don't really like rules very much. That's okay. I don't really either. Yeah, no. They, they hurt. And you know, with what I do in the death and dying and bereavement community, the rules, to be very blunt, they just suck. Yeah, they do. You know, we're not allowed to feel the way we need to feel. We're not allowed to grieve the way we need to grieve. And, you know, you will be done grieving uh, two weeks from tomorrow at nine o'clock. You know what I'm saying? That, oh, I know. I know that yeah, full wall. Yeah, it's like, yeah. but I'm not done. Exactly. And it has to be done so you don't make anyone else uncomfortable. Which? Uh, yeah. And the only thing you're doing there is making yourself uncomfortable and making yourself sick. So I tell mm-hmm. people what you got to do. If you make someone else uncomfortable, you know what? That's a good thing because that'll help them grow too. Right. So, you know, I'm... I'm a little strange like that, but it's okay. <laughs> you're a little healthy that way. <laughs> you no, know, say, hey, you're right there, lady. I, I see you. I see you. I know you. 
Um, and it, it's stuff that is very, very important mm-hmm. um, for, I'm going to say the spiritual health, because once again, mm-hmm. if you go down spiritually, you go down in every other way. Mm-hmm. Oh, my darling, it is such an honor to have you on the show. I'm so grateful for this conversation. And well, I have one you. more question. Yes, ma'am. How can people find you? They can find, if they want to find me, they can find me. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, you can go to my website, SharonPrentice.com. You can go to Instagram, which is SharonPrenticePhD. Which is how I, I have, found you. Yeah, you go. And you can go to my, what they call my professional Facebook page, which is also SharonPrenticePhD. There's like 35,000 of us on there now, and we have some pretty good debates and stuff like that. And for anybody who's interested, I'm the one that answers everything. I do not hire anybody to answer for me. I figure if people take the time to get in touch with me and tell me their stories, then I'm going to honor that and I'm going to answer it myself. But because there are so many of us, sometimes it takes me a while um, to get back. And, and answer their questions. But you can send me messages, either, you know, website, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, I'm actually pretty easy to find. Thank you so much for the work you do in this world. Well, thank you, Erica. There's, there's a bunch of us out there that do it. You just, you just got to ask for what you're looking for, and, and you can find it. You can find it. More and more and more people are basing their practices on, on the spiritual part of who we are. So I think mm-hmm. psychology, the practice of psychotherapy um, is changing tremendously, just like mm. medical is changing from purely Western into more integrative alternative forms. We, we're catching up. We're catching good, good. up. Good, good. Yep. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, this was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Let's do it again. We got a lot more to talk about. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> The action item of the week is to feel into that idea that you are a breath of God. Think about the context of I am that Sharon spoke of and be more mindful of how you use that, knowing that you are a divine expression. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul? shine i can feel it yours and mine close your eyes and witness it inside in your bones you will know trust and let go